Right, so this is episode 13 of Music and More. We're really starting to rack these up now, aren't we, Pete? You know, oh, yeah. We've got, we're getting the numbers along. So anyway, um, quite excited about tonight because I don't know. I think it kind of represents a little bit of um, a little bit of a shift for us because it's going to be the first time that we've got a guest on that's not directly sort of part of the music, really. Do you know what I mean? Whether it's been um, managers, band members, um, people who were close to us, you know, like organise and things, and my brother. Um, so tonight we've got Patrick Matthews from the Vines coming on, and I'm really excited about that because as we will talk about. Um, you know, we we had some really great times with that band. We were both sort of, I mean, obviously they were, you know, they were bigger than us, I'd say, but we, we were both sort of at a stage at the same time where we were becoming pretty big, really, I suppose. Um, but anyway, before I get off too, you know, too far ahead of myself, let's, um, Pete, how are you doing? I'm doing well, man. I, I'm, uh, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready for this. This is going to be fun. I've always been a big fan of the Vines as well. So yeah, early 2000s was a good time for music, man. I mean, things were just happening. Foo Fighters yeah. were killing yeah, it. Definitely. Vines were killing it. <laughs> the music. I mean, it was, it was a good time for music. Yeah, definitely. Like you say, um, just some of my best memories of being in a band are being on tour with the vines you know thinking back to all the tours we did um being out with the vines was just amazing and so yeah we are actually currently sat waiting for patrick it'll be a few minutes and he's going to come in but um i thought there might be a nice element to you know capturing us speaking for the first time since we last saw each other which i I have no idea how long it was ago now i mean must have been 2000 well i couldn't even guess i couldn't even guess it feels i don't know maybe 15 years or more but either way uh it's been a long time but as i say we were we were got quite close with these lads because we went out on quite a few different tours with them in different parts of the world yeah um so you know it should be a really fun conversation should be a really interesting conversation and you know i'm hoping that patrick's got similar um you know things to talk about in terms of you know, it, obviously being in a really big band, being the co-founder of a really big successful band like The Vines. Um, and obviously they had well-documented sort of difficulties themselves. Um, you know, not sort of in the same way that we did, but obviously anyone who's in a band can relate to things like that. Um, so yeah, I think um, I think we should, we're should we going to have a really interesting conversation. What do you think, Pete? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. This is going to be great. So you guys haven't spoken a lot since uh, when you guys toured? No, literally no, I mean, I've uh, until recently, uh, you know, I've been off grid, so yeah. to speak. Do you know yeah. what I mean? In yeah. terms of, I've had no social media profile, um, you know, no profile anywhere really. So I've not really been in a position to be in contact with people like this. But it's it's since obviously all this sort of resurgence and uh, you know me reconnecting with all these memories. Um, obviously, remembering back and how much of a great time we had. I just thought it would be really nice to have. Uh, Patrick on the podcast really and like I said I think it, it's a little bit different for us isn't it because it's not someone you know that was directly involved in the music so it, I think it's a nice little um, step for the podcast in general to be fair yeah for sure I, it's almost as if the podcast is highly evolved you know <laughs> <laughs> oh I wish Patrick could have been the interviewer that <laughs> It's kind of weird to think that he could literally just drop into the podcast any second. Like, we just, he could, like, just boom, up, oh, hey, there he is. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of that's cool. Pretty much what's going to happen. Yeah, that's funny. Right. Uh, have we got some connection? Hey, hey. Just waiting for, I think he's got, are you muted, muted, Pat? I think you muted, Pat. Oh, have I got? Yeah, I see him muted there. Yeah. There he is. Pat. Hey, yeah. Patrick, Hi. how's it going? Good How are you doing, mate? <laughs> 
Long let time. Me, let me just turn you up. Let me just turn you up. Yeah. How how the fuck is it going? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's um it's quite nice here in Australia, isn't it? Well, very summer and and no COVID. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's two yeah. beautiful things. Well, I mean, I think we've got it worst on that front. Do you know what I mean? The the COVID front, and it's totally opposite to you because it's absolutely snowing like shit here now. So, do you still yeah. live in Kipax? I, I do still live in Kipax, mate. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, right up up north, right up, up north, man. Yeah, same, same. Like literally where I was born, you, I could probably throw a tennis ball to my parents' house. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same place, man. It's not far at all. Not far at all. Um, so. What do you think, Pete? Do you think I should do another little sort of intro? Yeah, I think we should. I think we should do another, and let's okay. do another sort of little intro. Sure. Let me, uh, let and then, me form. And then maybe you can eventually introduce me to our guest as well. But Oh, fucking hell. Let, let's get that. Um, yeah, let's get that out of the way first. Yeah. So, I mean, I, this was the main purpose behind the long text that I actually sent Patrick P was to effectively describe who you are and your role in this podcast do you know what i mean that it's it, it, it's really fun having pete on the podcast to um well as i said in the text really patrick to sort of direct where the conversations go and as i say he's a big vines fan as well so oh, yeah sure. he's like a like paul schaefer david letterman <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely right okay right let's so let me just same, do another same hairstyle too yeah yeah <laughs> right okay so as i was saying um patrick matthews from the vines has very kindly given up some of his time to come on the podcast with me and pete and um reminisce about old times talk about life whatever it is we're going to eventually do you know i don't use we don't usually plan these things they just kind of go where they're going to go um so as we've as pete's already introduced himself on this episode and as i have actually introduced pete to patrick just to let everyone know i'm not being rude but i just thought we'd get straight into it so first of all i you know i just want to say directly thank you very much for giving up your time patrick uh, i really appreciate it and it's it's great to talk to you man after like god knows how long yes well, hopefully it won't be too arduous. I'll tell you how long. You know, the last time I would have seen or spoken to you was when you guys were playing in Sydney at Sydney Uni. Remember that? I do remember so that. Australian tour is probably, what, was that 2008? It must have been. Would that have been with the, was that with the Fratellis? No, I don't think you had an overseas, well, I didn't see an overseas sport then. It was definitely a few years after, you know, all those US tours. Yeah. Yeah, you can't remember it either when it was. No, I, I, no, I remember, man. My memory's my memory's pretty good, to be fair. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it is a long time. It's a long time, and obviously, as is well documented on these podcasts and other things that I've been doing, a lot's happened to me in um, in all that time. And obviously, I'm presuming the same for you. But I mean, like I said, when I reached out to you, you know, we had such a great time with you guys. Um, you know, so it's my best literally my best memories of being in a band uh, uh you know pretty much everything we did with you guys you know what i mean because i'm sure it was correct me if i'm wrong from your memory but it was two u.s tours wasn't yeah. it yeah and they were both about six weeks long on that's right that's yeah. right they were pretty yeah, good though yeah. oh man pretty good fucking hell man i mean yeah. like i say like I, you know just literally hearing your voice now it's all coming back to me <laughs> You know what I mean? Like we had such a fucking riot and 
As I, I've just been trying to say to Pete as well, you know, we went out with a lot of bands, um, you know, a lot of sort of really successful bands at the time as well, such as yourselves. And, you know, I mean, we never had that sort of connection that we had with you guys. And I know that's like, that's not just me. Every one of us feels like that. Um, and when I mentioned that, you know, I were reaching out to you to come on the podcast, everyone were like, oh, that, you know, such a great idea because, you know, we, we, we had a lot of fun, didn't we? Especially on them, like you say, them six-week Monster American tours. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but the thing is, it's all a bit of a blur, isn't it? Like individual shows, it's all a bit. It was that, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's all, it, it does all sort of roll into one, a lot of the memories. But uh, I mean, you know, and this is something that we've talked about, us lads, since I've had them on the podcast as well, is a lot of it just incredibly childish. Do you know, I think that's the difference as well, because I think you're, you're about, I think you're about 10 years older than me, slightly less. But, you know, when we were, we were really young. And you were very young, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you guys were a little bit older and it was, you know, it were almost like you guys were sort of looking out for us. Do you know what I mean? And that's kind of how it felt to me anyway. Um, like I say, I, I sort of really looked up to you guys in terms of how you were how you were handling yourselves, I guess. And especially with, you know, sort of surviving Craig's antics. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> even like live, do you know what I mean? Mainly live. And, you know, I don't know, maybe that's something we can talk about. And, you know, even in the studio and things like that, we never really got into how you guys went about doing that but you know i mean there's two sides to all those things in because it was just a wild ride and we had a lot of fun but you know at the same time i think there were there were difficult points for for everyone on those tours do you know what i mean yes well, we were surviving i mean we weren't handling craig that well i don't think you know? <laughs> like we it didn't really it just went on and on and on and, and nothing we sort of tried made anything too much better. Like Craig clothes just get got worse and worse. But he's his own we weren't helping him either, I suppose. He was, you know, more and more out of touch with how to be functional. Yeah. You know, yeah. touring musician. Well exactly, but I mean, it's something that we've talked about again in that it it unfortunately sort of it's the perfect environment to effectively get away with that sort of stuff in terms of, you know, the right people not pulling you up on it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah in a way um and of course it really spiraled for you guys as well didn't it in terms of the press and how they were reacting to how craig was behaving do you know what i mean i think that no yeah it's it snowballed and it became you know people were almost you know working to fuel the fire in some ways certainly Definitely. not yeah certainly not making any effort to to you know to attempt to address the problem oh, yeah well it's definitely it's great press when you were a crazy singer and he anything he did like throwing hamburgers at cars in front of the enemy or even even so far you know I, I looked at all our press because i was trying to write a book i've written it but um like we had this interview that the worst interview was when we did kerrang in 2004 second album kerrang who didn't kerrang and like us and craig didn't like them yeah. it was so hard to read because he's basically saying to the guy like i hate your magazine and the journalist <laughs> Oh no! But even still, that's still kind of good press. Like no one was really. Why would anyone in the record company be stopping him saying like, "No, this has gone too far." It was all, mm. yeah. Until it just completely blows up and he gets put in hospital. Yeah. 
And I think I want to talk about that, but maybe we should start uh, a little earlier. I'm, you know, yeah. you know, I don't know how much time you have, but for me, I, it would be really interesting to hear a little bit about the beginning, sort of how you guys even became to be on the same tour. That, that I'm curious about that. Um, talk a little bit about the touring, um, you know, as much as we can remember or, or as much as makes sense. And then I'd, I'd love to, I, I've even got some questions that are not related to the music, more about, you know, maybe go back to McDonald's, you know, how did, how did you guys start mm. out? And then, yeah. And get it. I, I'm I'm super curious a little bit about how that that part you know because I've heard some bits and pieces that yeah every I think everybody knows that you guys both started at McDonald's uh, and then went on a band but I certainly have some questions about about those early days uh, and then maybe even about some of the songwriting process uh, with with you guys in those early albums and uh, it would be really cool to start at least with how you guys came to even be aware that the music existed and then got put on the same tour was that a choice or did you guys get thrown together. Uh, the way I remember it is, um, I think we had a little bit of a choice of support band, and we were listening to some other capital bands. I think our first tour in America was with OK Go, I think, but um, so they're another capital band. I guess we had to choose a capital band, and um, ah. I don't know what there was. They didn't have that many rock bands, but anyway, we heard me and Craig. I remember this. This is what I remember anyway. We heard that EP. What was your EP? It might have been the People EP, the first one. Yeah, maybe that. And uh, we were both quite into it. But this, that's as bad all I remember. And we said to Andy or to the Capital people, yeah, that this is the band. It was both, yeah, it was straight, like, you made music that we really liked. And yeah. then, But then it was, like, incredibly quick. So I don't know if you'd already been booked on that tour anyway. Because it felt like, and then two weeks later, we met you. In, we always start off as a Philadelphia. That does ring a bell, Philadelphia, yeah. It Was yeah. it the, I, I remember, in fact, I remember... Because our, you probably don't remember this, but we have, um, and this probably won't mean out to you either, Pete, but this will mean something to our listeners, that um, uh, This Is Your Life, the TV program. Now, our sound guy, um, his brother was actually Ashley on uh, Emmerdale. So our sound guy was literally filming um, a This Is Your Life episode at the sound desk on the first day we played with the Vines. As I say, that won't mean anything to you two, but you. That, that was just mental for us because This Is Your Life is like a Massive TV program in the UK, but yeah, man, I remember, I remember the venue because I remember the floor sloping right down towards the front of it. Um, I remember the gig as well, and that's one fun thing I'm experiencing really is just the sheer amount of stuff I can remember. You know what I mean? And literally, sort of pinpoint. But yeah, I mean, you know, we were we were massively aware of you guys, obviously, because you were blowing up all over the world at that point. Um, and you know, that was just what like month another. Was that? Was that? Was that like sort of? Summer, northern summer. Was it June or July? I can't remember. I can't remember really. That's the only thing I'm not very good at is pinpointing the sort of time of year, unless you can literally remember snow or whatever. But yeah. better question: Did you have highly evolved only, or was it also with winning days? Because winning days came. Oh yeah, no, highly evolved only. No, it was definitely. Possibly, uh, Pokemon had not even come out yet. I think that that it was pretty early on. Oh okay. yeah. What do you remember? Maybe it was later. Maybe we did either side of a Christmas break. So maybe it was the end of 2002. So the album had come out. Things are going still reasonably well. Yeah. And then, yeah, we were on the up still, just. Yeah. And then, then you probably were there. That second tour that we did together, remember, did that end in New York at the Hammerstein or the Roseland Ballroom? Remember playing there? Yeah, I do remember. And that was definitely on the down slope. Like, it was half sold and... And Craig was really starting yeah. to not, yeah. not give his well, best side. Mm-hmm. Well, I could say, I mean, you know, it's it's funny because I think our careers, you know, had a similar 
trajectory really in that we you know we were like like yourselves probably not quite to the same extent and especially not in america but for a time we were like really hot stuff do you know what i mean and then it, you go from playing these sold out shows that keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and then it's you know it's quite mentally challenging you know well no it is it's difficult really especially when ego plays so much of a role in being what you are on stage it becomes difficult then to to go out on stage and look at venues that are half sold do you know what i mean or even like less than half sold do you know what i mean i think that has such when was that for you guys well when was that for the music for that i think do you know what right so the real Penny, penny dropping moment for us will have been um, Kasabian blowing up in the UK. Do you know what I mean? And they're, they're another band similar to yourselves, really, that we connected with massively. But it was kind of bittersweet that um, it was a Kasabian tour in America. And I'm guessing, it, I'm trying to remember what year. In fact, I've got that, I think that was 2005. I've got the program right. tour. But yeah, the, the thing was, is that like, I don't know, maybe you could look back now and say that what Kasabian did was it took kind of the essence of what we were doing and they made it a little bit more sort of concise, if you will, and they put an image behind it. But regardless of that anyway, we were like, it was difficult because I remember we were supposed to be headlining that tour and it was a situation where I'm sure the first night we're in New York and like they, Kasabian was the support and I went out to watch them and the place were absolutely heaving because there was such a massive buzz about Kasabian. Like, you know, and they were the buzz had spread to America. Um, so I was sort of going out into these venues, well, especially on that first night, and it would packed. And then, obviously, we're on next. And then, then like, a, you know, a big percentage of the crowd leaves. Mm. That's, yeah, that's the point where you're like, well, hang on. You know what I mean? And it was a case of... Yeah. I think I think what we actually did then is we I think we we I can't remember if it was me or I can't remember who came to this decision, but we effectively said let look let's call headline. Do you know what I mean? You headline one night, we'll headline the next night because do you know what I mean? Because it just it got mm. it, you start to think shit, man. Do you know what I mean? We can't have half the crowd walking out after the fucking support. Yeah. Band. So, yeah, you know we had I mean? a cool. identical situation with Jet in two thousand and four. Ah. Right. So, and Jet were like, it was like everywhere you went, are you going to be my girls on? Yeah. Like you'd walk down the street and you'd hear it. And then so we'd play, we'd play after them and people would leave, especially in New York. It was, New York was like, everyone left almost. It was, yeah. Well, in New York, really? they probably just came to hear that same. one song. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you could say that. You could sell yourself. <laughs> but yeah, similar. But you know, we, um, we, my band, other band, Eucharist, played with the music in England in 2005 and we're still going off there that was amazing those remember like that fire alarm that show oh man keel keel university i remember it i remember it vividly yeah i remember it the fire alarm went off because it was just going off so much and there was too much sweat or something (laughs) yeah well you know like people over cell rooms do you know what i mean you know i don't know how whether that still happens oh well you know but anyway you know promoters over cell rooms and like you say the heat and sweat that's generated in them places and the beer fights that happen i mean christ was it was it on that same tour did you um you might not remember did we play hull on that same tour yeah i think so yeah because i've been hull yeah that's right and um Someone spilled a pint on the sound on the sound desk on the mixing desk, and 
everything went off again. Right. You know what I mean? But yeah, we, we, to be fair, we still, I suppose we still had a hard call. Do you know what I mean? Even though uh, venues were our full, um, but of course, obviously, you know, you shrink the venues accordingly, do you know, and that's all, that's a difficult trajectory as well. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where you're, you're going up and you're playing these, these bigger and bigger and more exciting venues. And then they start to get smaller. Do you know, and you're not yeah. only playing smaller venues, you like to play an intimate show every now and again. But when you're like, you know, this is because you're not selling as many tickets. Or, uh, Christian. Yeah. What happened? Yeah. Well, I- what I always found interesting about watching the Vines live was um, <laughs> mad respect for Patrick because Craig would be losing his mind and, and and crawling on the floor and Patrick would be there just keeping the song going and singing the song <laughs> and the drummer and it would just like, it would almost make it, it would like enhance the experience. Because like, if you would have been like, you know, like, ah, what are you doing? Then, then it would have just been awkward. But you guys like kept the show going and it gave him a lot of room to almost like, it was like almost like free form art like he was doing this ridiculous rolling and crawling and 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 like and you could see the look on your face like especially like on big day out 2003 and stuff <laughs> you'd be playing and like and you would be keeping the show going and he would be you know trying to pick up his guitar or throw it in the audience which i always thought was crazy. Uh, yeah well i mean i think in the end it was more hamish keeping the show actually together but that <laughs> craig was definitely playing with that and i suppose the thing was, if you're a big fan, you might appreciate it. But he, yeah. by the time we the last sort of US tour, which is after the music, he would do things like we'd play a fast song, then we'd play an acoustic song second, and he'd smash his guitar <sighs> during the slow song. The second song of the set, no. and he'd spend 10 minutes, like, dragging out the second, you know, like, autumn shade. And um, yeah, we, it was more tiring, tiresome for us. We yeah. were just, come on, come on. <laughs> These yeah. people have actually paid money to hear the songs on the record, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, if you're a fan, like you say, though, I mean, it's difficult in it because there will have been an element, like you say, who that you know, what will have been more enhancing the show for him? Do you know what I mean? Sort of Craig, sort of behaving like that. I mean, look, you know, I'm with you, man. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't, I find being on stage uh, like quite stressful do you know what i mean in terms of i want everything to go right and you know if something yeah. if, someone, if someone's instrument cuts out or something i'm like oh my god do you know what i mean whereas like you guys it would just commonplace for you know just and it, I, I suppose it's interesting really i suppose it depends how you look at it really but do you think craig was playing up to that or do you think that the situation was becoming more and more difficult for Craig to rein his behavior in. Do you know what I mean? Because I'm sure the, there would be a big difference there. Do you know what I mean? In terms of whether you sort of truly think he was just sort of thinking, hang on, do you know what I mean? Or, well, I suppose there's lots of different ways of looking at it, I suppose. Yeah. What would be your take on it? I think you're right. You just can't tell. Like, he, he was good at playing the crazy person and he was actually crazy and he was out of control, but also he was playing up to the expectations, and that you can't tangle all apart. But one thing, yeah, I think a certain type of journalist thought he was just making it all up, and that, yep. that's still annoying to read back and, how, you know, you sort of feel like, how could you not see he's, he's definitely yeah. off yeah. the planet? No. But he was, when they say, like, he's just carrying on to, um, you know, I don't know what would the end goal, like, just to show off, or and that was true as well. But, yeah, where he's ended up with, Craig's ended up, like, living this life of a, of a hermit down the road yeah. from his parents' house. And, um, right. he, yeah, it's not like he went straight after the band and got a normal job and he, yeah. he's a lifer. Yeah. So you guys start with the music and very different bands, right? Because like the music, while 
the, their live performance is arguably sometimes better than what's in the studio. Like they are like these musicians, yep. they put on a show <laughs> like that is yeah. uh, that is something to see live. Uh, and, and of course, I, their produ- produced stuff is really well. Whereas the vines, you know, with the harmonies that 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 Craig does in the studio. It must be imp- the pressure to try to put on a show because the vines have this amazing sound, right? The the harmony of Craig doing himself multiple times and just the 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 way the music sounds. It it must be difficult to to do that live, you know, because it's it's you know. And so I don't even think you guys tried. I could be wrong, but mm. it just seems like it was a different. Whereas the music, it was like what you heard on the radio was what you were seeing live. And so was there any pressure to? Because I've heard on interviews where Craig would be like, "Oh no, when we're live, we're just having fun." But it, has that ever was mm. that ever a discussion that it's not as easy to do that what you produced live? Yeah, I mean, but we didn't have to play the, the sort of quiet harmony laden songs like we had. We had a, the frustrating thing for everyone in the band except Craig is that we could, we had a perfect opportunity to do like a killer forty five minute set like we had yeah. enough fast songs and just drop a few sort of slow ones in and then yeah we weren't virtuosos without our instruments like the music were we were just like sort of a garage rock band yeah. but Craig would insist on like he would play one fast song then one slow song then one fast song and a slow song and then he'd drag out the slow song until it was seven minutes long and just kill all the momentum all the time. And then there was many discussions like, we'll just try and play, you know, what the audience would like to hear and what the live show would be best handled. You wouldn't hear of it. (laughs) Well, I mean, I will say that, you know, watching Craig lose his shit, like, you know, it has, I mean, I'm sure you probably admit as well, elements of it do have its place in what you guys do. But, you know, Pete saying about the harmonies, enhancing things on the record, that's entirely true. But again... Like I'm not being funny, and I'm, I'm sure you'll agree with this as well. But when Craig decided that he wanted to do things properly, it it, it, it was fucking amazing. Do you know what I mean? In terms of like mm. him him opening up his voice and singing to the audience properly and engaging with them. Whenever he did that, it, my spine used to tingle every time. Do you know what I mean? And like that, I can imagine. For you, I can, um, you know, I'm sure there was an element of, you know, f- do what you, you know, do what you can do, man. It, you know, it's so frustrating because, like I say, when you know that boy's voice soared, do you know what I mean? And like Autumn Shade Two and stuff like that live, and a lot of tracks yeah. where where he really came with the right attitude. Do you know what I mean? And you could tell that it was going to be a good show. But the point being, anyway, Pete, that while the mu, you know, we have elements that are incredible, like you know, Craig when he really wants to was absolutely incredible well all i would say um he, he was once i left the band and, and there was this period where so he was medicated for a bit and he was capable of doing that night after night right and, uh, that was a good i mean i saw them a couple of times in that when he was really consistent and you'd watch it this was in 2007 or eight say you'd be like man you could have done that in 2002 it would have been good but yeah not the way it worked so he had it in him, but yeah, when when you would have toured with us, it was it was very yeah, like once every third show he'd sort of pull one out and then yeah. be back to two more, screaming like a cat. Well, that, that's it. It's like the it's like the petulance in it. It's almost like he's like, look, I know these people want to hear me sing this properly, and I'm just not going to. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Or we're all, and like you said, it's not something I really want to sort of delve into too much because obviously, you know, it's more about the fact that that frustration of come on, man, just. Do we? And I suppose the only parallel I've got really, and it's not, it's not quite, it's not fair really. It's not a fair parallel to draw. But obviously, Robert had 
problems with his voice that became sort of um a, an ele- sort of you know a problem for for us as a band and robert do you know what i mean it's, we've talked about it but again there's that sort of frustration of you know like it just can you know if you can just sort of hit them notes man it is just magical and i guess it must you know in the same way that when craig can do it night after night after night and you know leaves people with jaws on the floors because you know we were a, we were a great band don't get me wrong but you guys were a great band as well do you know what i mean you call yourself garage rock but you were still a great live performance especially when craig was deciding to either a leave the guitar in one bit for longer than 30 seconds or <laughs> not destroy the microphone or not start smashing up the drum kit. Do you know what I mean? But you know, you know, your, your shows had some, some fucking energy. Do you know what I mean? They really did. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. It's like I say, it's not really a fair comparison to draw, but at the same time, it, it, it was things that played into the, the sort of the mental problems that you develop as being part of a band through through that stress and that pressure of having to perform really and like i think you know if i try and put myself in your situation i mean it's difficult because i don't know you know obviously the politics of everything but i'd have found it intolerable do you know what i mean like you like you smashed the guitar on the second song you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. like may do you know what I mean? And like your text, do you know, you know what I mean? Like Tony Bateman at the time and he had to have a situation with Fender, didn't he? Where pretty much like he just got a box delivered to every venue that had just loads of bits. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, loads yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Loads yeah, of necks. Yeah, necks, yeah. guitar body. I mean, bodies are difficult to smash, but you need a lot of necks. And, you know, Tony will be building these Frankenstein guitars in between songs, even in between songs, because, you know, you literally have some nights where you would have to think you are doing it on purpose now. Do you know what I mean? Where you kill one and then he kills another and you're just like, well, yeah. you know, the show's got to go on in some capacity, surely. <laughs> um, just, I was just, yeah, speaking, going back to Roberts, like, did anyone ever mention, I'm sure that Robert has this way of seeing where he's sort of seeing two notes at once. Did anyone ever mention that to you guys? You know, Rob really did use his voice like an instrument. Do you know what I mean? And I think yeah. that's something that a lot of people had acknowledge. Um, so when you're the one that's got to stand up there and be, well, not only the sort, you know, the, the enigmatic focal point, but you've actually got to deliver, do you know what I mean? Like, um, screaming vocals do you know what i mean like some track and we, we always used to do that you know like come what may and tracks like that that we just write and you'd instantly think that he's going to be able to sing that once and that's it do you know what i mean it's like <laughs> oh man he, he, he were always doing that like writing vocal like drugs on last album as well like you get a take and you're just like well that's a one-time only thing that do you know what i mean and that so became long. yeah well so low exactly mate but you know a lot of for me anyway a lot of the connectivity in our music as much as anything is when rob you know really sings do you know what i mean so it became frust- frustrating for everyone you know especially rob obviously um when he felt he couldn't deliver properly and i'm sure yeah. there's you know i'm sure there were elements of it that were psychological due to the the mounting pressure and it was actually because we've had Rob on um, and it was really interesting talking to him about that actually um, you know at quite an open level um, but yeah it was it was a it was a pressure that he felt to perform that began to be you know too much for him to to do over and over again and that, that that's difficult but there's, you know like he uses his voice in a very different way now that's something he'll you know 
again, talk quite openly about the fact that he does use his voice in a very different way. But Patrick, you said, did you say that Rob used his voice uh, like two notes at the same time? Was that, was that the question? That's I, I swear that some songs, when he sings up high, that, that you can hear two separate notes. Oh, that's Like he's doing throat singing. <laughs> in a way, I mean, he's got a completely unique way of singing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and honestly, I mean, I sort of talked to him once when I first met you guys. I was saying like, oh, yeah, so you've got like a high harmony in that song. And he's like, no, it's just me, just one track. Mm. And that's what I thought. Yeah, that's what I first. And I've always thought like, and I listened to you guys this morning. I was like, sing, he can sing two notes at once on those high notes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because you've got like this Twitter version of, um, what's like um, the one that starts off with a disco beat? Hey, Monday morning. Yeah, yeah, whatever yeah, that song. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. The people. He's singing two notes. Yeah. Well, the, I, yeah. I know what you mean. I know. I know what you mean. His voice, like at certain ranges, he, I guess it's like a doubling effect almost, like you're saying. Yeah. Um, but it, man, that that kid's got a big, like you know, especially like at the time we. And again, this is a a point that highlights it really. When we were together, we were both bands. I'd say were at our peak. Do you know what I mean? And if we were together 2002, it was the first big day out as well. We had an absolute blast with you guys, wasn't it? Was it the first one or the second? 2003, I think, big day out. We had yeah. an, ab- yeah, an absolute blast with you guys. And that's where that picture will be from that hot tub that I had on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that yeah, but, yeah, that was at Perth. Yeah. I mean, oh God, it's, it mad memories for me and especially Australia I mean don't get me wrong like out the American tours we did we did we uh, were brilliant but I don't know it's that first big day out for me 2003 you know arguably I think some of the because that's like three weeks as well or something in it like the best time of my life do you know what I mean it was absolutely amazing because it is it is an incredible country to be in Australia do you know what I mean and to tour and it, it it's just the fucking crowds are great. It's a great place to be. I don't know. I've never had a bad time when I were there, to be honest. I tell you that it's like um I was watching you probably you know the sleeping mods because they're they're from up north, aren't they? I don't know. I don't think of it. Mate, I'm not really. I'm not the one to ask. From Nottingham, right? And, All right. They, I'm got, not the one to ask about new bands, man. I don't know shit. <laughs> right. But it's more. So they they're newish. I guess they're still going. They are a documentary from about 2015, say, pretty recent. And mm-hmm. everyone in the, in the audience is like saying, oh, Northern Britain, it's so dull. Like, why do you ever? Like, because they're so habituated to like how uninteresting it is. But when Australians go to Northern Britain, it's like, it is completely like another world. Yeah. <laughs> and especially like the nightlife there, it's like, um, it's really interesting. And so nowhere is boring. Like, everywhere is very different. And Northern Britain is something else. Like, when you go out in um, that town, Leeds. Um, it's got a little mini harbour bridge in northern Britain. Oh, mini harbour bridge in northern you know Britain. Oh, are you it thinking exactly about? Like, will that be? Are you thinking of Hull? I think somewhere where yeah. you live. Yeah, I mean, you might be Maybe thinking of Hull. Hull's got, Hull's got a big old bridge. Yeah, the Humber bridge. Yeah, yeah, the Humber Bridge. You'd probably be thinking of there. There'd be loads of people thinking, "Bloody hell, Adam! Do you not know your geography?" <laughs> yeah, we were there in March, and everyone everyone dresses like they're in summer in Australia to go out. <laughs> yeah, that that side of northern Britain. It's <laughs> got no clothes on. It's like, Mate, people, people this dress place like is amazing. Oh. <laughs> well, you want to talk about stuff like that, man? Yeah, people over here don't don't recognise the temperature. You know, if it's freezing, they go out wearing nothing. But 
I mean, that was something that, that I remember. Was it? I can't remember which um, time it was we were in Oz, but one of the festivals we went to, it was summer. One of the, well, it had been a big day out. And like, you know, you talk about people wearing no clothes. Bloody hell, you went out in crowd there. It were it was distracting, to say the least. Absolutely distracting, to say the least. <laughs> so I think you guys won that race, to be fair. In my experience, anyway, right. you don't go, you don't go to Glastonbury and see, and see much of that. You see a bit of it, but my God. Yeah, man. <laughs> So, yes, I guess that's what the big day doesn't go anymore. But I think it had it started off one way and it ended sort of with yeah, just a competition to see who could wear the least clothes and <laughs> paint the most Australian flags on their on their faces. And now it doesn't exist. How, how long has it not existed then? But I'd say maybe ten years. Oh wow, right. maybe less, five at least. So Patrick, you you toured with the music when they were pretty pretty new, right? You know, they were they were just out of high school, so. Uh... Uh, what what was it like, you know, hanging out with these guys when they were literally just just starting their fame? I'm curious what what that must have been like. Well, when it's four uh, distinct personalities, what would he? What we used to do, like, because Rob was definitely the strangest because he was he was sort of like, uh, you know, like what you're saying is enigmatic. Like sometimes he just he was like he just wanted to be left alone, and other times, I remember we played in Las Vegas, I think it was, mm-hmm. and um. The after I guess we played, there was a, a nightclub that started in the venue. Robson had two hours on the um, on the stage with the go-go dancers doing dancing, <laughs> like doing his disco dance. It was like it was a strange, you know, like look at me, don't look at me type character, wasn't he? But anyway, yeah, like the other guys were very um, more, you know. I think that sometimes it was a bit, maybe not you, Adam, but like um, Stu was a bit more like just want to be back home, just want to be having a bacon sarni. <laughs> <laughs> back in Kipax. <laughs> yeah, man, I mean, we maybe were, that was you. You know, well, I mean, we were we were a proper gang at that point, you know what I mean? And I think what we're good about you guys is it was just like we just mixed instantly and the gang just got much bigger. Do you know what I mean? Like a lot of the time people didn't get us our humor. Um, you know, we had a lot of in jokes. We were constantly laughing at the people closest to us. Like, you know, our tour manager, man, our tour managers took some abuse off us. My God. <laughs> um, the management took abuse off us. You know, we were, I don't know. We were, well, we were a good laugh, I'd say. And I think you're right about Rob. And, and interestingly enough, actually, Rob very recently echoed what you were just saying about the sort of conflict of the, the look at me, don't look at me thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, that's something that Rob actually spoke about. So yeah, I think that's a that's an interesting thing for you to pick up on really. Um, because even though as a band you go through these experiences, a lot of the time it's difficult to know how people are processing it individually. Do you know what I mean? Like it's You can be with each other every day and not really know what anyone's thinking. Do you know what I mean? And Yeah. I think maybe you could level that at us personally as a band in that there was a lot about us other than musically, but in terms of getting through days and all that sort of stuff, there was, uh, you know, a lot of what we did was superficial. Do you know what I mean? We didn't really get sort of really deep into how things were, were affecting us with each other. I think we probably did separately with different people. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and because of that, different people were privy to, you know, different people's mentalities and, you know, that things will have made sense to, but, but the point being anyway, that it's a lot to, to go through, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Sort of any sort hmm. of, any well, sort of success. You could see when uh, Rob was definitely, I think sometimes struggling. I think you as well, like you could tell you were hitting the spliff at times. <laughs> at times. Pretty hard. 
which, <laughs> early, early in the day as well. Daytimes and nighttimes. Which is probably a, yeah, sometimes a sign. And I was drinking. I mean, my one regret is that I spent all the, every band, every tour, like probably drinking yeah. all the time. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But I mean, you know, you, you're very much correct in the sense that, well, again, talking openly about, you know, Spliff or whatever, as soon as I discovered that, because I discovered that quite late, I was well into 18 before I even touched that. Um, but I found that it was the only thing that made me, well, not get stage fright, if you know what I mean. I think at right. very early doors, it became a coping mechanism. Well, I'm not being funny, it became a coping mechanism for stress in general. Um, you know, I had a very, I still do have a very routinal pattern and you know, I don't work as well if I'm off that. So, and I don't travel much, you know, I haven't been anywhere. The last time I got off of the music flight, that's the last time I've ever been on a plane. Um, because I find traveling stressful. I find flying extremely stressful and I've done a lot of it. Do you know what I mean? And you know, blah, blah, blah. I know all the stats or whatever, but for whatever reason, I find it incredibly difficult. So, you know, for me that, that did snowball. There's no doubt about that, that, that did snowball, but I don't know. It was just kind of, well, it was just kind of what I did. Do you know? And it just kept me quiet. I'm not being funny, but you know, I think everyone had their own personalities and, and I didn't really, it's a long conversation really, but obviously I didn't realize at the time that I had sort of ADHD and, you know, bipolar to, to the degree that needed medicating X, Y, Z. So the first thing I did when I had my, uh, you know, initial psychiatric evaluations and all that sort of stuff, um, was, you know, being told that it le- it legitimized uh, a lot of things in my own head, but, you know, he instantly, the guy instantly turned around and said, look, you know, pretty much 95% of people in your situation with your conditions rely on cannabis because it's one of the, it's one of the, yeah, it's one of the main things that alleviates um, the symptoms that cause you the stress and the anxiety and all the other things, you know? So yeah, there's no doubt for me, it was medicinal really, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're just thinking about those those tours, like because I guess we were playing a lot of shows, right? So I guess the focus was mainly like the biggest connection was just watching you guys play. I think so. We muck around a bit before the show, and then after the show, we might go out. Mm-hmm. Remember, we actually just watched you, and it was a good combo, like because you guys weren't in a way like threatening to us or, or to Craig. Like it was more you play really well, but it wasn't like you were. Um, you know, doing the same thing as us, maybe the yeah. way Jet was. Yeah. yeah. And also yeah. Jet were doing it better. That's interesting. So it was, yeah, it was enjoyable to watch you guys play every night. And Yeah, I, watched, think- I watched AOL sessions with you guys and uh, and Craig was actually wearing the music t-shirt. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. And- and as a matter of fact, Craig, um, he's been pretty vocal about his appreciation for you guys. Adam, I don't even know if you know this, but uh, I got a quick clip. Uh, he was on a, a show called Rage, and they asked him to um, to pick a couple of his favorite songs. And, uh, oh. and, and here's what he had to say. Uh, y- you guys actually were one of his top picks. So take a listen. Hi, this is Craig from The Vines. Um, you're watching Rage, so eat some rods, smoke some grass, uh, shoot some fucking smack. Do whatever you gotta do and uh, enjoy the show. This next song is by a band called The Music and uh, the song is called Take the Long Road and Walk It, which I think is really good advice and I try to follow it. Um, we toured with this band in America a couple of times and uh, they were just out of high school and really an amazing band. I think they split up now. So uh, they did three albums here, yeah, I can really recommend all of them. And uh, again, this is Take the Long Road and Walk It. 
by the music. So yeah, he, uh, bless. I, I didn't. I, I mean, I knew that. I knew that all you guys were into us. Do you know what I mean? And it, it was entirely mutual. But I don't know, man. It's something I've never really thought about that in terms of what you were saying. In terms of like Craig didn't really find us threatening or. Do you I think, think that, you inspiring? So it worked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that played a role though in terms of you know what? Well, the tours went. Well, yeah. Was was yeah. Craig very wary of bands, or was it more individuals, or would you say it were bands that represented a threat or something? Yeah. Or it could have been bands he didn't like. Or I mean, I guess um, he he definitely found you one hundred percent enjoyable and inspiring. So I guess that was very good. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's why there was more than one tour, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Matt. I mean, you know, and uh, again, I mean, obviously I'm not privy to your and Craig's relationship, the dynamics of that or whatever, but I just found him to be a really lovely lad. Do you know what I mean? I think, you know, a lot of people have said to me, oh, what was he like? And, you know, my instant response is, look, all those guys are absolutely lovely. Do you know what I mean? And you can't, obviously I can't speak with any context in terms of how, you know, at times his behavioural problems would have affected the rest of you guys. But in terms of, you know, every minute I spent with the lad, he was an absolute pleasure. Do you know what I mean? Really, a really charming lad. Um, yeah. Really, really charming. Best behavior for you guys. Yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> and even, even when he won, I mean, you know, I, you know, like he used to skateboard everywhere, didn't he? So like, you know, he'd be skateboarding in the dressing room, trying to like ramp up on tables. He'd be knocking coffee all over everyone's, private bags do you know what i mean messing everything up and you guys are just like you're just kind of used to it do you know what i mean it's like all right spill coffee all over me stuff i'll just move that but but i don't know man i, I he would just uh well you know he's a really lovely lad obviously i haven't spoke to any of you guys since um since our tours and but yeah just um absolutely mad memories from those tours yeah absolutely mad i mean do you remember what we did to you on the last night of the last one do you not remember with the silly string I, with the strippers? I, mean, I remember Hamish put some baby powder on um, Phil's drums. That well, the same night, you you got a oh, oh no, you got a stripper to come on stage. Oh no, Hamish did that. Wait, now you tell me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Hamish had. Well, I don't know who it was, but I was stood there waiting for my guitar change, and a stripper walks on with my guitar and just brings me my guitar. And obviously, our my guitar tech were like at the time we were like a six foot three Glaswegian bloke, do you know what I mean? Massive <laughs> guy. So I turned to get my guitar anyway, and there's obviously this, you know, rather elegant lady walking across the stage naked with my guitar, which was mighty confusing at the time. But anyway, what we did to you, and I've got, I still bear the scars of this incident, but we decided it'd be a good idea on your last song to uh, effectively attack you with silly string. Like, and I had Hamish, I can't remember who had anyone else, but my job was to silly string Hamish. So obviously the poor lad's playing the drums and then it was right on the last song, we all sort of kind of leapt out from our Heidi Sports, as you will. And I had this kind of silly string, man, and I fucking I had it trained on Hamish's mouth. And he would try to play and he would try to breathe through his mouth and I had this silly string just going in his mouth for literally about 30, 40 seconds. And uh, as a result of which, anyway, when he finished playing, he leapt out of his stool and chased me around, back, like, around the back corridors of this venue, managed to get hold of me, got me in a headlock, but he obviously had some spare... <laughs> He obviously had some spare sticks in his belt or something. So he's got me in a headlock and one of his 
fucking drumsticks is wedged into my bloody eye. And I'm honestly like, whacking him on the back to go in my fucking eye. Do you know what I mean? He eventually lets me up and I pull my head up and there's a fucking blood dripping out of my eye. And he was just like, oh shit, mate, I'm sorry. And I'm like, it's all right. It's just a little nick. But yeah, man, that way, it was, I deserved it to be fair because it must have been difficult for him to breathe. Bless him. <laughs> He's a consummate professional. Kept on playing no matter what. Yeah. Well, that's it, man. You know, like that kid's kit was literally ripped apart around him sometimes and he'd still be playing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he loved it though. He loved it. That's one of the other things. You always read these reviews saying, oh, the poor drummer. But Hamish loved that side of things. Oh, really? oh did he? Yeah. He, he was like, yeah. I mean, he's the center of attention and, and he was so good at it because he was quite instinctively, Craig would throw the guitar and, and he would sort of move this way and that just a little bit, just enough. <laughs> Yeah. Did, you, did you love it when he would unplug your bass or was that <laughs> yeah no that was that, yeah. but that was quite good in the in the sense that it was finding like permission it's like okay we'll go our separate ways so that was <laughs> in, annoying in the instant but good in the long term <laughs> yeah sure i mean what 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 sort of happened with that was it just like um was it effectively a breakdown of your personal relationship that made you sort of walk in that sense had you had enough yeah I mean, we, we hadn't really been talking much for ages. Um, oh, really? But we had we'd done a tour of Japan, and um, me and Ryan had walked off stage just a few nights before in Japan. Oh, really? Craig was calling the audience sheep, which is basically what he did at that Australian show, calling the audience in Japan stupid, saying that Japan's a stupid country. Ryan walked off first, and, um, and I thought, oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> I'll just leave. Because it was like, you know, you go like, what, what, what can I do? Like, I think. Yeah, you don't want to support that. Yeah. Yeah, doing it again. And it's like. Um, I heard he was so yelling, when he did, you don't even understand what I'm saying or something to that effect. Right? Yes. Yeah. And then so we, when, he, when he did it in Australia, like he kicked a photographer in the head. It's like, they're just taking photos. They're not trying to steal yeah. his soul. And then, and, then he, he, and then I said to him on stage, yeah, like, um, we, don't, we, don't have, we don't have to do this if you don't want to. And then he turned my amp off after the next song. It's like, well, I don't have to do it, I guess. I don't want to. And it's for the best. Was that at yeah. the Annandale yeah. Hotel? The, the, That's right. The yeah. official last, uh, you know, uh, the way the way it reads, obviously, is so, you know, poetic. It's like you walked off stage into a taxi never to be seen again. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so that was literally the last time you guys played together? Well, then no, we I know you had some reunions, some, but I mean. Yeah, like, reunion shows. But yeah, but that, that was the last time. Okay. Until 2018 or. So, so uh, did you know that when you were leaving that day that that was it, or did you think it was going to blow over? Um, uh, no, well, I guess it was going to be the last show for a while. Oh. Um, I hadn't left the band, but we, we'd already cancelled all the, the oncoming, except for the, the show that was the next night. We had to cancel one show uh, in short, at short notice, but we cancelled a US tour already right. the day before because the writing was on the wall, like you couldn't keep going. Right. We were meant to do a, a six-week tour with um, a band uh, and like a band that didn't really suit us like a new metal band with massive venues we were the oh, right band. right yeah hmm. and that i mean you know i can even imagine that's not something that craig's gonna be yeah. as, as comfortable with do you know what i mean yeah. yeah it was like we were gonna i can't think of the name of them but they were big at the time i think they're still going but we were gonna play um madison square gardens and oh, right. that sort of venue like ten thousand seat places all yeah. across america for six weeks mm. and um it wouldn't have you can tell it was not going to go well. See, yeah. for me, that's it's weird that you know, like 
I would imagine seeing you guys in that type of arena because back then in the states, that's all they played on the radio was the Vines. I mean, you guys were huge, you know. And yeah, but the biggest the biggest US tour was that second music tour, and um, it was in LA. We played. Oh, what was it called? It was only two. It was two thousand, and it was getting to be. It wasn't selling out, was it? You're right, Adam. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, quiet. yeah. Mm-hmm. The Roseland in, in America was an amazing venue in the middle of New York, and, and it kind of was sold out. There was two thousand plus people there. Mm-hmm. Craig did a terrible show, and yeah. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. guys were on Letterman, uh, which was hilarious. Uh, but you were almost on on Jay Leno, which actually I think became more popular. The fact that that he wouldn't let you guys come on, you know, for those that don't know Jay Leno in the states, I don't know, if, I don't know how big that is in the UK or, or people are aware of that. We know, but, yeah, yeah, we know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you guys were supposed to be on Jay Leno, did a rehearsal, and then it didn't go well, and then he wouldn't let you play. I, I remember hearing about it at the time as like a big thing that he wouldn't let you play, but I didn't know all the details. Um, yeah, we, I mean, we lasted about 30 seconds. So Craig hadn't slept and um, Hamish started tuning his drums and Craig Craig was telling him to stop, but I don't think Hamish heard or understood and or took a read of the situation. So then Craig just started smashing the drums um, <laughs> before we even played the camera at rehearsal. This and is they, during the rehearsal. Yeah. Yeah. So it was quite early in the morning. It was 9 a.m. Because like Jay Leno was, the Letterman filmed at 5. I think Jay Leno filmed at 2 in the afternoon or I'd say something like that. Yep. So at 9 a.m. we had to get up and Craig hadn't been to sleep and he smashed the drums. And they, they I mean, everyone says, oh, we got kicked off. I think we got ordered off. Yeah. Like they said, please leave. Right. And um, we went, drove back to the hotel in sort of silence. Like pretty incredible. Right. He's done that. But it wasn't. Nothing was unprecedented. Everything was just everything was just the same. It's like, I oh mean, yeah, we just got kicked off Jay Leno. <laughs> of course. I mean, I I remember I certainly remember at the time, I mean, I, maybe it's a reason you sort of drank so much and you alluded to, but it I, I felt like it kind of bounced off you at the time. Do you know what I mean? A lot of the shit that was going on that was pissing you off, it felt to me like it was bouncing off you. Do you know what I mean? Was that was that deliberate as in well, I can't fucking do all about it, so... Yeah, awesome. yeah. I guess it's only bounced off like I was, yeah, just try to ignore it or not react. Yes, mm. yeah. And it, everyone was sort of trying to do that, so, you know, Ryan definitely... I mean, there's all these stories, like, say, the enemy stories, that journalists would always talk about that, so that it, we'd look completely unfazed. And I guess it was only when he was personally attacking you mm. that, for me, that, that really got under my skin, if he'd say something about me. Yeah. And, like, so he'd attack people at the odd person in, when you're around like you maybe you might have seen him go at someone but mostly he said occasionally niggle at me mm. and, and occasionally niggle at Hamish and Hamish just ignored it mm. he, he called Hamish all these names like sand clam and ham fish and mm. telling him to shut up and <laughs> Hamish would just be like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> like I would get quite hurt and then um and then, and then it got really bad. Like then there was this period, maybe not where on tour, he'd be attacking all sorts of people. Like he'd throw, there's a big list. Our manager wrote us a list at the end of touring, like why we couldn't go on tour. And he's like, he threw a knife at someone in the Belgian radio station and he like threatened to throw Edith Bowman. Is that her name? That yep. UK celebrity. Yep. Threatened to throw her off a roof oh in, um, in Islington. He grabbed her. And then at the same day, like he also grabbed this girl, like a girlfriend of the support band, and, and she put her up against a wall. Oh, same no. day, and um, yeah, that was sort of part of why we had to stop because he he'd taken it out of the 
the safety of the threatening people in the band than it was yeah. just threatening random. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm laughing really, but I suppose ultimately it's, you know, it's not funny. But I mean, like you alluded to again, I think because he, you know, he was so warm to us, obviously I don't think any of us saw any of that behavior towards us i mean i used to you know i used to sit and have a smoke with him in his hotel room quite a lot and i think at the time as well uh mark guitar manager i think he was quite accepting of that do you know what i mean because i think obviously well i think the way i read it was me being around tended to calm craig down so mark could be very much like yeah man you go we've got some gear for, i've got some gear for craig you go take it to him and sit with him for a few hours do you know what i mean i'll be like yeah man looking i'll go sit and have a smoke i didn't know that that's interesting. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I think he, um, yeah, me and Craig used to sit and chill, but uh, we did, there was a time in, cause we got banned, we got banned from the house of blues and I'm sure it must've been as a result of that tour with you when we were sort of playing some of the house of blues venues, you know what I mean? Because we must, unless that would be four, I can't remember, but I remember an incident with Craig and was it a security guard where didn't they, I'm sure he, he threw or kicked something down some stairs anyway. But I think that you, like you say, we did see some of that behavior, but it was primarily either towards, you know, pieces of equipment on the stage or you know, like, cause he used to have a thing about, about pictures, like you say, but also people wanting autographs and things, didn't he? You know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah. it's take exception to that as well. If someone, well, you, you do though, when someone brings you fucking 20 Rolling Stone magazines and wants them all signing, cause you're just like, well, they're going on eBay. Aren't you? Right. But I remember right. it, people would stand at the bus and he'd come to the bus door and they'd be so excited. He'd be like, oh, will you sign all this? And he'd go, yeah, I'll sign it all. Yeah, take it. And slam bus door shut and disappear <laughs> with it all. Right. Were you there oh. were you there that last when we played in um some place in Georgia, Atlanta, and um we had a, a bus ride back to the hotel which ended with like a bus crash, basically. Were you on that? Oh. You played with us in I think you did play with that show in Atlanta with the end of the tour. You remember? It's ringing a bell. What happened? Bus crash, what happened? Go a bit further because it might ring. Well, we well what I thought everyone was on the the reason why the, the crash happened it wasn't actually a crash like uh, the bus driver just hit the brakes and everyone just slid from one end of the bus to the other. But we didn't actually hit anything outside the bus, but Craig had smashed a bottle right near some girl's head who they'd been hanging around the dressing room. They're like, oh, everyone gets on the bus and go back to the hotel. Yeah. And um, and he smashed a bottle and the bus driver turned around and thought something had happened and hit the brakes. And his wife, who was on the bus, her, she hit the windscreen with her face. And Ryan slid at least sort of 20 metres Yikes. The whole length of the bus and cut his finger open. We had to go to the emergency room with him. <laughs> okay. And um but I remember that that afternoon that was like sure it was you guys, I could be wrong, but that the situation in the car park was just crazy, like in terms of people coming wanting to sign things and these girls came along and, and said, Can you sign our things? And Craig just jumped in the car and drove around convertible. Yeah, it does ring a it does ring a bell. That there were all sorts of mad stuff happening like that, but it were a constant party. Every one of them tours, it was literally a constant party. But you, you guys probably were a little bit more like, don't let anyone on the bus, were you? I'm not sure. It feels like our bus just lost complete shape, and anyone should just get on the bus. And <laughs> yeah, it was meant were, to be a home, but it became yeah, it wasn't yeah. like a home. Exactly, and it's something I used to go on about a lot. Um, we used to have people on the bus, yeah, don't get me wrong, but we were always like, you know, wary of shit like people's laptops and stuff. Do you know what I mean? I think we were, 
we were probably a little bit more guarded than you guys. I mean, your guys' bus were like proper, proper like rock and roll. We were, we were a little bit more, I don't know, a little bit more, um, not quite so rock and roll. And that's something we've discussed as well, you know, me and Rob and a couple of the other lads. We, we weren't really like that. And I think that's why that tour, whenever we tour with you guys, it just felt like, um, I don't know, it just felt like a proper fucking like rock and roll tour, do you know what I mean? Rather than, yeah. rather than us lads like. But. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, we're pretty soft. But like on that tour with Jet, like the, those guys are all of them, except maybe Mark, just so rock and roll. Like they'd stay up for three days in a row. Yeah. So like the singer and Jet. And then so Ryan in our band, he's a bit like that. It's sort of, you know, can you imagine the staying up for three days? No. Miss two sleeps. <laughs> I'd be uh, in the hospital. <laughs> yeah, same, same, same. Yeah. So was that, was that something, you know, that you, like you said before, was, did you feel that with Jet, do you know what I mean? That sort of, a threat? Did you feel, or did Craig anyway feel that level of threat from them? I think he wouldn't admit to himself. I think the problem was that he could see what was happening, like that venues were emptying out and people were mainly like 75% of the audience had bought tickets to see Jeff, and he, but he wouldn't admit it, and, but it was affecting his uh, mentality on yeah, stage. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so like it was a negative hmm. being on tour with Jeff, but being on tour with you guys was always a positive. So yeah. 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 It was fucking brilliant. And like I said, especially that first big day out, 2003, that we did. The second one, were you guys on the second one of 2005? No, because I just... it, it well, was, Unless I wasn't there. I don't think so. I don't think that was the case. I just remember... Maybe youth group was playing, and that's why... That's, I think that's probably right. Mm. That's probably right, man. Yeah, that sounds about right. But yeah, the, the first... Um, well, as I keep saying, the first, our first, you know, there were Queens of the Stone Age, weren't there, on that 2003 one. You're the, always playing with Perry Farrell, right? Yeah, man. We, yeah, yeah. We, that's right. Yeah, we were we were on a cycle just as they released their sort of comeback album. So we did stuff in America with them, Australia, and we did stuff in the UK with Jane's Addiction. Yeah, I mean, we were, oh, shit myself, I tell you, because... Jane's Addiction, wherever they go, they have like a, a practice tent. Do you know what I mean? With every, all the gear set up. And someone said we were allowed in there. Do you know what I mean? But I'm not being funny. It don't matter how, it don't matter how many times someone tells you you're allowed to pick up Dave Navarro's guitar. You're like, fucking, fucking no. It's like, no, go on, man. Honestly, you won't mind. And I'm like, fuck it. Do you know what I mean? Picking up fucking Dave Navarro's guitar and playing it. And then everyone else gets on their instruments and we're having a jam. And then they all walk in, don't they? Oh. Instantly, I'm like taking it off to give it back to you, and he's like, "No, no, man, it's all right. Keep playing, man. We're just going to sit and watch." And it was like, "Oh, fucking hell!" That was a moment for me where I was just like, "This is this is madness." This, yeah. Yeah. you know what I mean? It's like fucking Dave Navarro, just like, "It's all right. Keep playing my guitar, mate. You're fine." Um, big moment for me. That to be fair, yeah, for sure. So, Patrick, I'm like I said earlier, I'm really curious about the early days, and and um, I, I know there is, you know. I've heard that you guys worked at McDonald's, but uh, you know, and I know that the Vines consisted of multiple members. But I think everybody that talks about the Vines, early Vines, says Patrick and Craig. Like you guys were the co-founders, if you will. So, can you give me a little bit of a picture of how that happened in the beginning? I know you guys worked at McDonald's, but how does that transition to hey, let's become massive rock stars? Yeah, <laughs> a bit of luck, but we did meet at McDonald's, and there was a. Craig has an older brother who's my age, so I knew him first. And then Craig was this extremely quiet younger brother. Mm. Uh, and then I think we should just talk about Nirvana yeah. uh, a lot. And then I had a school friend, Dave, who was the first drummer. He plays on the first album. Mm-hmm. And he was 
he was quite an important part of the Vines. He was just not mentally ready to go on a world tour. And it was yep. obvious to everyone except Dave at the end. He really wanted to stay in. But he was the one to sort of introduce us to all the 60s side of the Vines. So that I guess it's fair enough if musically we were just a cross between sort of like the 60s Beatles and Kinks with the sort of grungy, maybe a bit of Britpop oh, yeah. as well, like sort of 90s, mid-90s music. Mm. And um, yeah, Dave was the important link to the that's, and the Beach Boys as well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's, so I guess I guess we stopped. There was not much to talk about more about um, Nirvana. We needed something else to talk about. We started talking about the Beatles mm. and the White Album and, and all that sort of thing. And then we just started playing music in 1995. Uh, we never really got any more complex and just playing bar chords that we learned from like the Nirvana songbook. And yeah. after we just sort of that's what that's it. We just learned bar chords and, and that was it. We played some minor chords in there occasionally in the slow songs. Mm-hmm. And but how did, so when did, did you transition from covers to like, hey, let's let's actually write music? Uh, I guess from reading in my mind as we read the Nirvana book, we knew that like cool bands didn't play covers, so or not, not you needed your own songs. So at the start, me and Craig used to write songs together, or I'd write a bit and then Craig would finish it for me. That was only a, a handful of songs at the beginning. Right. But that's like what In the Jungle was, which yeah. was a song on Highly Evolved. So the earliest song, so I wrote the riff, none of the singing, and then Craig wrote one more riff and wrote singing over the bits that I'd written. And then I guess once I'd sort of instigated this sort of songwriting process, then Craig sort of moved on without me. So then it became like he'd bring a song to band practice. Right. Sort of rip all the bits. I mean, were you were you introducing him to music when you talk about you started talking about the Beatles and the White Album? Was that stuff he was listening to as that younger brother, or was that you know were people introducing him to that sort of stuff? Well, that was Dave. Yeah. So I guess Dave, I introduced maybe the, this sort of pavement deck thing that Dave yeah. wasn't really fan of, but we definitely when Craig first started, like when I first knew him, he only had about ten CDs. And I'd say eight of them were Nirvana CDs. <laughs> he did have a Kink CD, nice. best of that was his dad's, and he had like some sort of like Mud Honey, sort that's, of Nirvana approved music. Yeah, yeah, Nirvana. Approved. Yeah, it's interesting that because that's quite a parallel with Rob. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah, yeah Rob at, at the early stage, you never had like a you know a hugely eclectic musical um, taste. You know, well, in terms of like a collection. Do you know what I mean? And he, you know, I'd probably tell you now he do not listen to a lot of music or whatever. So I don't know. I think I, I think there's a slight element of symmetry there, really. That um, I don't know. It's almost like the you end up bringing your own thing to it. Do you know what I mean? Because you you're not really looking to replicate what anyone did. I mean, I know I, you know I know you talk about the Nevada element but there's so much more to the vines than that you know what i mean yeah there always has been yeah someone i think his personality like he needs something to obsess about like if if there's a personality trait which is underlying all that thing like he's a it and that sort of that asperger's thing he needs to like and so the way you know like i'm saying to you like well you know that song of yours that starts off with whatever craig would know guaranteed every music song he would know all the titles, he'd probably yeah. know like the order that they appeared on the album. He'd know the uh, artwork. Really? Like he's sort of obsessed by that. So if he likes a band, he has to know he know what the titles are. Yeah, yeah. Know the track listing. Yeah, yeah. And so like I'm much more sloppy. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 that's interesting. That's interesting. And like you say, I suppose it, it speaks about his personality, really, doesn't it? And um, how you can focus in on things, but. Obviously, through that, that can you know that can bring problems in itself, can't it? Really? Yeah. Well, the other so he part would I was, be disgusted that sorry. I didn't know the name of that 
music song. (laughs) 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 So disrespectful. So so disgusted. That's hilarious. Disrespectful. That's what he called it. (laughs) <laughs> so the so the early albums, you know, and, and I must say this, I must say this publicly, you know, your second album, Winning Days, I've heard so many people, you know, say that there was it got negative reviews. That blows my mind because honestly, Winning Days is on par, you know, with Highly Evolved, in my opinion. I mean, there's just as many good songs on Winning Days, in my opinion. Uh, I, I was really surprised yeah. to hear that it didn't get as you know popular reviews. Well, I'm a bit down personally because I, I feel like. Um, it's good. The Craig songs are good, but we definitely chose the best songs because they all—all all those songs existed except for a few when we were choosing songs for album one. Right. So we—I I feel like we chose the best. We did choose the best songs for album one. Yeah. And then maybe Craig's singing had improved a bit, and so mm-hmm. this singing on album two is maybe slightly better. But the impactful songs are pretty much all reserved for album one. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the album one is insane, but album two, like I, I've never understood why people would. You know, I, I never for a minute ever thought it was anything other than great. Like I've always thought it was really good. So um, third album they did was, you know, the third album that the Vines did was the Vision Valley. Had any of that been written before? Because I know that no. was all right. So the, none of that was written when you were okay. No, and I think that's thing. So Craig had got better. He had been in hospital, and, and then he was in a really good frame of mind. Doing, I think, yeah. could be wrong because. I wasn't there, and um, but then he they no, tried to tour it, and then he went downhill again. I think that's okay. the general. Right, right, yeah. There was just such a camaraderie between the two of you, like you know, especially on that first album with stuff, you know, like you know when you guys would sing "Out of the Way" and they would, you would like repeat things that he would say in the song. It just it just had such a such a swagger to it. Like that was just good stuff. Yeah, but Craig made up that that call and response. That's yeah, his thing. Why? Yeah, mom. Yeah. <laughs> but when you guys would do it live, you would be the. The response. Right? Yes, yeah, no, I do it live, yeah. But fair, like fair, yeah, fair's fair, like he, he wrote that part. But then it is based on the baseline that yeah. um, I wrote, so yeah, we yeah. all fed off each other. Yeah, yeah. Well, for sure. Yeah. What do you think, Pete? Have we had enough of Patrick's time? Do you think? Have you got anything else pressing you wanted to you wanted to put to him before he looks after his uh, his brood? I mean, not pressing. My, my, my last question would be, um, you know, like obviously fans of the Vines, I, I, you know, I don't think anybody has this, you know, vision that you guys would get back together because, you know, he's moved on. They have another band. I know you're doing, you know, you're doing stuff with youth group still, uh, you know, which is a fantastic band. But um, I'm, I'm more curious on a personal note. You know, he's he's been he's been aside and, and I'm curious, you know, you you've got a book that you've written that hasn't gone out yet. I know that I hope one day that gets out because personally, as a as a historian myself and, and someone who loves music, I would love to get my hands on that book. But um, I'm curious, like, do you talk at all? Because. I know you guys left on such a you know, shaky terms, but it's been several years. Uh, do you guys have a, a cordial conversation at any time now, or no? I don't. I don't talk to him. And um, the other Brian, I maybe occasionally does. Hamish, not really, but he's sort of yeah, very hermit-like. And I think it's because he, he does from talking to him when we did those reunion shows. He, he just finds too many parts of the world frustrating and upsetting. So yeah. he pretty much avoids everyone, as far as I know. Okay, right. and so it's not. That's not healthy. I no, but he um he gets by with his like minimal interaction with other people, and he he watches a lot of movies, and um I'm sure he listens to a lot of music still, mm-hmm. and um and we did think me and Ryan thought when we did those reunion shows, it's like well you know everything that's happened in the past, that's the past. Maybe we could like do some shows because there would definitely be an audience there, but mm-hmm. it was really obvious that he can't cope that with the way he's now. I'm not saying yeah. totally he can't cope, so. 
there's no way he could we could maybe play one sydney show but if yeah. we couldn't even do an australian tour because we couldn't fly to melbourne because mm. something would happen he's too emotionally unstable and you yeah, just get to him yeah. too much things that other people can't even notice yeah. he gets too bothered by them and then he attacks people it's understandable it's un- yeah mm. Well, Patrick, listen, uh, this has been great. I know we've taken a lot of your time, but um, I just want to say, you know, I'm, I know you know this already, but man, you were definitely part of something special. You know, you guys created some amazing stuff. Uh, you know, much respect to your, you know, to your musical talents and uh, and to all the good stuff that you guys put out there. So uh, thanks for coming on today. As a, as a fan of music in general, you know, as a big fan of the Vines, uh, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Yeah, well, thanks. It's been, it's been very good to remember it in that warm, fuzzy way. Yeah, well... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's not, not normal, yeah, yeah, to reminisce about the vines in a warm and fuzzy way. It's good. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, and I suppose it's an interesting way of wrapping things up because that look on your face where you were just like, it's not it's not normal for me to remember the vines in a warm, fuzzy way. I had exactly that same thing with the music. For the, oh, last, yeah. for the last decade, that's exactly what I've had with the music. And, I'd, you know, with not being able to remember it in a warm, fuzzy way, do you know what I mean? Having, uh, you know, well, it's all well documented. I've, I've spoken about it, but, um, you know, I found it very difficult to, uh, to, to adjust and... I don't know. I couldn't even listen to music for 10 years or anything. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I just see a, a, an interesting symmetry there with you just having a bit of a smile on your face there um, talking about some good old times, you know what I mean? And I think it's it's good to see and it's nice for me to see as well because it shows me that I'm not the only one that's gone through something like this, you know, being part of something special and then for whatever reason it's fallen apart or... But yeah, so ultimately, I, like Pete, want to echo Pete's sentiments and say thank you very much for coming on, mate. I really appreciate it. And it's great to see you. And I will say you look really fucking healthy. You know what I mean? You Honestly, it might be the light. I might credit the light, but you don't fucking look a day older. No, mate, you, you don't look a day older than the last time I saw you. You probably look... You probably look younger, to be honest, mate. So, yeah, man, it's uh, it's great to have um, had this conversation with you. It's great to be back in touch with you. And, you know, um, look forward to, you know, keeping talking to you and not disappearing again for many well, yeah. years. <laughs> Any chance your music in a tour Australia or is that? Because you were doing do shows, right? But it's That's COVID, a- right? That is a that's a controversial question right there. Well, I mean, we are we are at the situation, Patrick, where the music uh, we are doing one reunion show. Um, that is the plan right now. Um, that is obviously probably you know I can't confirm, but it's probably going to end up getting postponed due to COVID. But the plan the plan right now, as it stands, is we are just doing one reunion show. But I mean, you know, the chance to come back to Oz as much as you know. <laughs> I, I I hate flying and I can't do it, but I'll tell you what, I'll probably do that. I'll probably get on a plane to go to Australia. Well, yeah. listen, Patrick said he liked Northern uh, England, so Patrick, maybe you yeah, should exactly go to Northern Temple Newsom. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, fucking hell, mate. If you can get to Temple Newsom, obviously there's an invite, Christ. Yeah. But it's a long way away, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, man, thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate it, mate. Thanks, Evan. Thanks, Pete. Can- Right, so this has been episode 13, Music and More. Um, it's been really nice to have Patrick on, uh, talk about old times and stuff. A lot of fun memories. Um, it would be really good to have him on again because an hour, well, you know, however long we've had, it's not been long enough to go through everything. Um, but, yeah, it would be really cool to have Patrick on again. But, yeah, thank you very much for listening. I hope you've all enjoyed this episode. Thanks. Bye.